1: Welcome into the Ottson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pree, Eric Jared Mack on the show. Uh, we're recording this Monday afternoon, 3 um, 3:30, 315 ish, our time out on the West Coast. Uh, why so late on a Monday? It's because we had a press conference with New Oregon head football coach Dan Lanning. We felt like it would be optimistic to, to do it after that instead of. Uh, before it, and we've got a lot, we've, we've learned a lot about this coaching hire. Rob Mullins, Oregon's athletic director, fielded questions. President Schill also spoke. He did not field questions, but he did speak about the hire. And then all obviously Dan Lanning presented his opening remarks and then fielded questions for about 15 or 20 minutes with the media. Um, overall vibe, I mean, it, it's easy to win these press conferences, right? But I, I think you come out of this feeling very excited.
0: I can't think of a time where you felt like a coach just lost the press conference. I guess they would have to just like, maybe they get the school's name wrong or, or like, I can't bad. remember what job they're taking. What was that, Jared? Was there, is there an example of that?
2: No, I didn't have one, but it would be bad if they forgot the school name.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, and I'm not trying to diminish at all. Cause I, I think Jared actually, you said it best right afterwards as we were walking to go interview Alex Forsyth of, I would run through a wall for that man or something along those lines. <laughs> and, and I feel like that was the way most people there obviously kind of felt. I mean, you could sort of feel the energy and the juice. You, you understood. I will say this. It's one thing to read about him and even watch interviews and, and see how he interacts with players from afar. It's another thing to kind of experience it in person. And you get that feel from him. He's a high energy. He's young. He's motivated smart guy, very savvy. I thought he answered questions really well, always had the right thing to say. Um, people kind of put me on blast for how he he cut cut me off and, and informed me that he had coached a third grade boys basketball team and he does have head coaching experience. Um, I just thought, th- I thought he always had kind of the right, felt like he was well prepared for this. It felt like he kind of knew what was coming his way. He understood the questions would be lack of experience. What kind of, um, coaching hires do you need to make why are you ready for this like these kind of things he was prepared for and I thought he handled himself really well and as Jared said and I'll let him kind of convey why he was ready to to run through a, a wall for him but I, I I just think you got a sense of of who he is and how he interacts with human beings and obviously it's one thing to hold a press conference it's another thing to coach a football team those are different relationships you have but I just thought you got a pretty early indication of who Dan Lanning is and everything I came away with was really positive, great high energy guy. Again, I thought he was ready for basically everything. And and you got a sense he was ready to get to work. that was the thing talked about throughout was just ready to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, So I'll, I'll send it to you, Jared, for kind of, again, your opening kind of assessments of him and and, and why you were so uh, impressed with what he had to say and and how he carried himself.
2: Yeah. I think the getting to work part was the primary reason behind all of it. Um, It was, he knew what he was doing he was there i think some of the concerns going into this was that oh, he was a defensive coordinator he doesn't talk a lot uh he's not going to go into the media too often um he handled himself great and this is a 35 year old coach i think it's he talked about it himself It was asking questions just you know he's a young guy and so you know to get up there and and talk how he did with his type of public speaking was you know really honestly spoke volumes about who he is as a character and as a human being um a couple more just character human being things um he was very appreciative of his family uh shared his uh, family story about how he and his wife Sophia met at uh, Outback Steakhouse where he was uh, he was a busboy and she was a to go order deliverer person um That's what he said. so yeah so uh, i thought that was cute honestly big softy um and that that shows a lot about who he is um but yeah the reason i was willing to run through a wall for the guy was he just I, he just seemed like a great motivator. Um, at the end of the day, it was just one of those speeches where you can sit there, and if you're a competitive human, uh, you have any competitive nature like me, as Eric can attest to on the basketball court, um, he's one of those guys that you will want to go and play for, want to go and run through a wall <laughs> for, and try your best and and uh, just be as as good as you can be. So I think he's a Great uh, individual. And I think you can be somebody who uh, can carry the program into a different level and just pick up where Oregon has seemingly left off.
1: Really uh, interesting comments, I think, from athletic director Rob Mullins um, in his opening speech, as well as when he fielded questions afterwards. And then during uh, Dan Lanning's time when he was speaking, and the reference to the blueprint, the plan, the system and i think that was in reference to what we all know about um ultimately it goes back to nick saban and the blueprint that he built to run that program to build that program um that kirby smart brought from alabama with dan lanning and as an assistant coach for him to georgia and then lanning has continued to to learn and, and go through that that blueprint if you will um at Georgia, I kept. I wrote in my notes um, as he was talking. I kept feeling a different coach than Mario Cristobal, but a lot of the same themes. A lot of
0: yeah, mm-hmm. the,
1: the the same direction and and the focuses and and this is why I think this was probably a very attractive hire. Is they have something in place right now, and this is a man that while there's tweaks, he wants to put his own spin on it. He's familiar with what this program is set up with. He's familiar with what this program wants to accomplish. And he's familiar with how to accomplish these goals. And I, I think it's a very good fit for where this program is today and where they want to go and where he's coming from.
0: I've been thinking about this as I was driving home of what felt similar. I think it's because it was, and this gets back to Saban, um, process-oriented thinking, not results-oriented thinking, and that exactly. is very much a Nick Saban staple. That's how he operates. It's all about the process of getting there, and if you follow the steps of the process, the result will be what you desire it to be. And that was what that was one of the very first things Landing said. He said it during a speech. He said it during answers of questions. Of you know, this this program will aspire for big things, but it will be methodical and how it gets there, and it won't skip steps. Um, they will do things the right way. They will do things with the right process in mind to get the right results. And he spoke with somebody who has great confidence in doing that, and he spoke as somebody who has very high aspirations. Talking, We'll get to some of the other things he had to say, but talking about recruiting, he was saying, we can go out and get the very best. That's a thing that I think make Oregon fans' ears perk up a little bit because that that's was that been a concern of, okay, what's, this, what's the next step here? Mario Cristobal is such an incredible recruiter. Will it continue to be under Dan Laning? Well, we'll have to see what the results are, but he certainly speaks like somebody who has a plan in place. And, and I think that is ultimately why you feel pretty darn good about this is the process-driven stuff. But also, like I think Jared alluded to it earlier, it felt like – it didn't feel like it was a rudderless ship at all. It feels like somebody who – it doesn't feel like a 35-year-old head coach. It feels Not- like somebody who knows what he wants to do. He's competent, and he's, and he's prepared um, to take – those steps in elevating this program. And I, I think um, he used some of the same kind of nomenclature that Mario talked about, the Oregon standard, upholding that, and how that will be a, a, you know, a vital part from a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, he spoke in some of the same terms. And I think Matt is right. You can see some of the maybe fingerprints of the Nick Sabins and the Kirby Smarts and these elite coaches that, that have prepared him to get to this point. And I thought it was notable that when I did ask him about kind of some of that lack of experience part, he did point to, I've had quality experience, and he pointed to the experience he had working under Nick Saban and under Kirby Smart and Mike Norvell um, and all of these other coaches he's worked for. Um, I, I think you get a sense that we're going to learn a lot more about what a football program looks like under him going forward. We're going to learn more about how he works as a talent acquisition, right? How what kind of coach he is, X's and O's, all of these kind of things we'll learn. But we've learned right now the baseline kind of the foundation is built on a lot of the same things that Mario Cristobal preached and talked about. And that's why I think you have to have optimism for this transition to go pretty smoothly. Cause if you're an Oregon football player sitting up there listening and obviously they heard Dan Lanning speak before, I think you come away going, okay, I'm kind of familiar with a lot of what you're talking about. This doesn't sound totally foreign. And I think that's certainly a positive thing. And for me, gives me even a little more optimism that, that this won't be a challenging transition from Cristobal to Lanning. I think a lot of this will carry over kind of seamlessly and, of course with Dan Lanning spin
2: put on it as, as well. I mean, if there is a culture to try and replicate in college football, it's Saban. I mean, he's just a proven winner wherever he goes. Um, and obviously he, he was only a grad assistant for one year. Uh, Lanning was under Saban in 2015, but you know, he learned directly from Kirby smart, who's another Alabama disciple who was Alabama's defensive coordinator for seven or eight years. Um, and Kirby, Kirby Smart, you look smart. what he's doing down in Georgia. Like, he is trying to replicate what Alabama does. And that's, again, that's not a bad thing to do. That's what Mario is trying to do at Oregon. Not a bad thing to do. Um, yeah, and, and for him to be 35 and, you know, have this opportunity at a job. Um, you know, he was in the running at Oklahoma as well. Um, I, I understand why people have worried about the no head coaching experience other than his third grade basketball team, which apparently was damn good. Uh, <laughs> we... I I don't, I don't buy it. I, I, I'll, I'll, why? Because when you're 35 and you have this opportunity um, people can see through that. And Eric, I think you alluded to this on a previous podcast where it's like everybody at one point doesn't have head coaching experience and sure enough, they get there. Um, you know, same thing with Dabo Sweeney and, and Kirby smart. Like those guys weren't head coaches before they took over at Clemson and Georgia. And this is, uh, you know, Dan Lanning's opportunity. And for him to come in here and and have the same type of, uh, just like, same same type of mentality and same phrases almost as Cristobal, like I'm not surprised to hear that. It wasn't surprising at all, just because they both learned under the same people. Um, Mario's older and he has more experience doing, uh, under those guys as well, but and more you know experience under Jimmy Johnson at, at, at Miami too, which is another help, but. Again, I'm not surprised to hear that they have the same idea, the same, you know, drive and passion to get um, the process correct, because the process ultimately results in in wins and success. So for Oregon to, to go from Cristobal to Lanning and have this change of philosophy not be a significant change is huge. And again, we'll see how Lanning puts his twist on it, like Eric said, um, but it, it's a, I think it'll be a good transition from here on out, especially after hearing him talk today.
1: He spoke. Um, we asked him about just staffing and how does he go about filling out this staff? What's he looking for in his coaching staff? Um, because look, signing day is less than 20 is less than 48 hours away. Um, and r- recruits will start signing with schools across the country. I'm sure Oregon's going to have a couple guys. You've got to start building this program. You've got to start filling out its staff and developing its identity and getting yourself ready to go for next season. And he talked about the importance to move quickly, but I also, I, I really liked that he addressed the fact that they're just not going to hire somebody and it's, it's going to have to be the right guy and he's willing to wait. And I think that's something to read into here a little bit. If you're familiar And you're following this coaching search for him, filling out his staff. He's willing to wait and take his time if it means getting the right guy. And by the way, he's been building a list of guys he wants to target ever since he was a GA.
0: I loved that part, Um, Mm -hmm. and we did get a hint of that. For I'm just going to reference the Twitter space thing that Rob Mullins said, I guess, shortly after the hire on Saturday. Um, he, He made a comment of. I'll let Dan kind of fill you on, on this, but he's been working towards being a head coach and he's been working towards filling out a staff for a while. And it was interesting to hear from Dan. Like he said, when he was a GA at Arizona state, this was a decade ago. He was 26 years old, 25 years old, something like that at the time, obviously a head coaching position, not on the horizon, not a clear destination. That's where he's going to get certainly not this quick. The fact that he at that point already had the wherewithal, or that pretty much clear, that pretty me pretty clearly says this is who this guy is. These are his goals. This is how much of a forward thinker he is. That he would already said he got in his iPhone, you know, Notes app, and I was already putting together names. And he says he's been adding, subtracting for the last ten years to get to this point. He said it's a long list. Um, as Matt said, it's not a list he's going to run through really quickly. We know obviously the Kenny Dillingham news um, from earlier this weekend potential offensive coordinator currently at uh, sorry at, at Florida State, somebody he has previous work history with, um, has been offered the offensive coordinating job. It sounds like we're still kind of in a, in a waiting pattern with that. There was word from National, from Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports, on Sunday that that decision might be made Monday morning. It's now Monday afternoon. No decision has been made. Um, so that's just kind of the only real hiring news we have to, to discuss. But I just think you get a sense that the, the staff he puts together is going to be one that comes with a lot of thought put behind it. I don't think he's, obviously he's not going to rush it, and he's obviously put a lot of thought already into the type of people he wants to surround himself with, like-minded people. I think we'll see a younger staff than you're probably used to seeing at this level. I wouldn't be surprised if there are multiple 35 and under coaches on the staff, and I think that's a good thing. That provides you a bunch of youth, that provides you people that are hungry, that provides you people that um, maybe have a different way of looking at the world and seeing things. I mean, I think the like, like a Dillingham, i are well, not sure if he's going to be on the staff or not, but that guy's been an offensive coordinator. I know he hasn't been calling plays, but that guy's been an offensive coordinator at big power five, SEC caliber football, ACC caliber football, since he was in his late twenties. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you, that, that to me tells you a lot. And, and that was part of the reason with planning as well of like these people that traverse and they go on this upward trajectory at such young ages and accomplish so much. That's telling to me, and I'm not going to be. There's so a behind rag- it. Yeah, and it's a, and, and it's not like these decisions. Not like he's being handed these jobs by people who no. don't know anything. Kirby Smart decided he was worthy really of being a head coach, uh, or a defensive coordinator, and then Rob Mullins decided he was worth of being a head coach. Dillingham, same thing at Florida State, right? There are smart people, smart football people working there. Norvell is a smart guy. He's not going to make a. He's not going to just hand somebody the keys if he doesn't think he's capable. And so I'm anticipating that this staff, when we get more clarity from it, is going to be one that excites a lot of people. And I think it's going to be one that's very forward thinking is is sort of my early kind of indications. Um, And he did communicate a desire to, you know, that, that previous working experience, he didn't say it was a requirement. It's not a, it doesn't have to be somebody he's worked with, but you did get a sense that that will play some role into this. So, you know, Matt already has a great list up on duckterra.com. We'll do a good job of covering the next week's, um, forward when he fills out the staff. But I think you get a sense that looking at some of the staffs at Arizona State when he was at GA or at Memphis when he was uh, you know, his first position coaching job or at Georgia or even at Alabama, those are kind of names to know. And, and, again, Matt has done a good job of compiling a, a pretty exhaustive list on, on the site to look at.
2: I thought it was really interesting that he had that whole list from his days at ASU um, that tells you a lot about who he is. He's always looking to move upward. And this is one of those stages where he has moved seemingly to a top level. And now he has the ability to go out and get exactly who he wants. Um, you know, you mentioned that there's a whole list that you know you, you can't really get, but he, he is now in a position with uh, tremendous resources that the University of Oregon and their football program provide to really go get his number one guy. And if that's Dillingham from Florida State, um, he can go try. Um, that's but that's the whole point. He's going to go make an effort to try to land somebody that he knows and that he thinks that can help him out in this program, uh, and for for his hiring in the future in terms of you know just filling out the staff and Oregon's still not exactly sure who's going and staying for Oregon and following Mario to Miami. Um, I I feel pretty good and pretty confident about landing's ability to fill out the rest of the staff just because of. Uh, he's been waiting for this. He's been wanting this opportunity to be this type of human and be the head coach at a big football program. And here he is. And a lot of people worried about his youth because of his connection ability. Um, I think that was something that Mario had like well under his belt where he could go out and make these connections. Cause he has coached for so long at so many different schools and, you know, was offensive line coach at Alabama, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Dan, Dan Lanning has been around the block too. He's got Arizona, Sam Houston State, Memphis, Georgia, now at Oregon. You know, he's got he's got his own bunch of connections, too, and it might just be on that Notes app. But I think that's going to be you know, a frequently visited app in the following weeks for Dan, and, and uh, he's going to be making a few phone calls.
1: One note we should note of um, salary pool and, and whatnot. Uh, Rob Mullins, Oregon's athletic director, did say that the nine or $10 million buyout, um, that Miami will pay to Oregon. Um, that money will go directly into the athletic department's funds, and then they'll start dispersing that throughout. So it's not going to be a case where, um, Dan Lanning gets $10 million and decides at his disposal, where that money goes. Um, Mullins noted that's not how the athletic department operates in any capacity. Um, for any coach or for any situation, so that money will go into the into the fund, and then that money will be dispersed how they, what's best for the overall athletic department. He did note that they severely uh, th- that they have invested a lot of resources, and they will continue to invest um, a lot of resources into the football program. So I think there's probably a good chance that some of that will go. Um, towards assistant coaches and other ways to help the football program, but it'll also go to help paying other areas of the athletic department, especially when they went through COVID-19 and the impacts that that had on the football program. Um, I think we should note as well that there was points in time in this press conference. I think he was speaking to players that were in the auditorium listening to him his press conference um he wasn't speak. he was asked questions by us but he was looking at the team and he had messages of service how him as a head coach him hiring his future coaches will be there ultimately to service the players and to help them become football players better football players also more importantly he said better people better men um, when they leave the football program. I think there was also a point in time where he made some acknowledgments to um the past and the players that have come before this current group of team, uh of teammates and acknowledging the work that they've done. Um, I think he referenced, you know, the the lunch pail work ethic that, you know, of, of the past will will be part of this football program moving forward. So I, I think there were some some little moments there where he was asked by us talking to current players asked by us and speaking to those that have come before him about how he's going to be running this football program.
0: These are early days for him. And it's important. He sends messages to those players he's coaching, right? I mean, he, he even said it, he's addressed the team. hasn't spoken with everybody individually. That's something that's going to happen in the future. Um, He's still trying to develop these relationships. He's still trying to prove, show, you know, prove and show to these players who he is just as much as he's being introduced to, those listening that are fans or donors or, you know, family members of players or what have you. And he's being introduced to us as media the first time we had a chance to interact with him. He's still really early in his infancy stages, I guess, if you will, with relationships with these players. I mean, I would imagine very few of them had any previous relationship with Dan Lanning. I asked Alex Forsythe, like, when was the first time you knew who Dan Lanning was and he said midway through the season, they were talking about Georgia and they had this great defense, and this defensive coordinator was turning eyes. And and they had kind of heard his name then. And then once that name popped up as a name that maybe would be at Oregon, people got pretty excited because they'd already knew who he was. But like, it's not like Dan Landing was a name, it's not like they knew what Dan Landing first off, they're not like they knew who he was six months ago, and it's not like they knew who he stood, you know, what he stood for six months right. ago. And it certainly isn't like they have a full you know, clear image of who he is now. So of course he's going to spend some time in this press conference saying, Hey guys, this is a message to you. And you're right, Matt, you could see where his eyes were at. Sometimes he was looking directly at us when we asked questions. Other times he was looking above us because there were, I don't know, how many players do you think were there? 40, 50 players, something like that. A, pr- a pretty good percentage of the football team was, was, was seating uh, seated above us um, along with some donors and family of people. And we should mention his wife was there. His three sons were there and, and uh, all sorts of, you know, integral parts of this program were there. But I do think he made an effort to look up and say, hey, guys, this message is to you because it's important. Because ultimately, as he said, he is a servant to them. And ultimately, his success and his success the program is going to have is dependent upon the guys he's looking up at. So I think right. he understands that. I don't think he is – I don't think he's under any illusion that this is – that Oregon football has been dependent upon Dan Landing being successful. In fact, he said, I'm going to take zero snaps next year for this football team. Right? He made <laughs> note of that. He understands the players that are going to ultimately make this go. He understands who those people are, and he made an effort to communicate some things to them.
2: I thought one of the most important things was, you know, very early on in his press conference where he, you know, he talked to former players and he said, "Uh, I am a servant to you, whether you've, whether I've coached you or not, we want you to know that this program uh, you can be proud of and be a part of. Um, I think that's an important thing. We've had, uh, the letter come out recently, and that's a whole different topic that we'll get into eventually. But um, I think that's if I, that's what a lot of people, a lot of former players want to hear. A lot of alumni want to hear that. Um, and I think there's no doubt that down at Georgia, um, alumni are a huge and integral part of that football program, whether they're hired by the team, uh, they go to every game, their sons play on the team, uh, something like that. And uh, I think Lanning to, to go out in his introductory press conference and... You know, within the first two minutes, the first minute and a half of his entire speech, go out and say and let let the alumni and former players know um, that this is a program that they can be a part of still is, is huge for him. Um, and eventually, yeah, he'll, he'll be on campus more than just for 48 hours, which is kind of how it's going to be for the next few weeks as Georgia continues their quest for uh, a college football playoff championship. But um those one-on-one meetings are going to be extremely integral uh, just to hear everybody out um, basically like an, an, an interview at one point, um, like an entrance interview instead of an exit interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll, that'll be uh, fun to follow and see how landing does and all of those. Um, and just, uh, just following throughout the spring as well. Uh, I think that for his introductory press conference, I know that kind of alluded to this earlier where it's like, it's, not that hard to, to win one of these. Uh, I do feel like he um, overall said a lot of the right things and a lot of things that Oregon fans, alumni, and uh, the current players and current staff want to hear.
1: Uh, he, like Jared just said, he's not going to be here first signing day. He's probably, we assume, heading back to Georgia. Um, he will be hold, hosting some kind of signing day press conference, but because of technology and what have you, it's going to allow him to get back to the opportunity to coach Georgia in the college football playoff while hosting the signing day press conference for Oregon. He noted he's going to be doing double duty now. Um, he's going to be working a lot of hours, a lot of work. And I think this is a guy that he loves. Eric, you brought up the word, the processes. I think this is someone that just – our first, my first impression, he loves the processes. He loves the football work mentality. Um, he loves all the grind. He, he mentioned how it's going to be a grind for multiple things. And I think those are the types of coaches, whether they're, they're young or whether they're old, that if they have, like, if it's awesome for them to sit there and work through film or to network for recruiting purposes or to network for building a staff or, you know, to scheme up stuff. Like if that's what they find as fun. And that's the vibe I got with this guy is those guys tend to always be successful. And he mentioned that one of the first things he said when he met Rob Mullins for the first time was I got to get to work. I got to get to, to meeting the team, meeting the facilities, seeing everything and doing, getting myself on the ground running to the point where he hasn't even called his parents yet. And it's like three days removed since he landed the job.
0: How about the quote he gave where he said, when I say the word football, my, my heartbeat picks up a little bit. You can just, I mean, those kind of comments, like, A, he's obviously, I mean, we talked about how he's been preparing for this. He's obviously probably in his mind been preparing how he's going to field questions in an introductory press conference like this. Like yeah. I felt like that was the thing that stood out. You could see the passion. And like Matt was saying, like, it's not, it's easy to see. It's not hard. It's, it, it would be almost impossible to miss this guy's passion for doing this, you know, um, I watched a football scoop interview when he was a GA at Arizona state from 2012. And he told the story of why he wanted to get into coaching. Um, I was going to ask this question, but I didn't get a third one because I wanted to hear hear more about it. But he said it came from his seventh grade PE teacher. And he always had a really fun time in this PE teacher's class and he made everything fun, but he also made everything about competition. And those were the type of, that's what kind of led him to wanting to be a coach. Um, You know, and I, I think, you can see this guy wants to be a teacher. You know, he wants to lead and he wants to be in charge of of putting everybody in the best position to be successful. And that is something that isn't always an inherent trait for everybody. Some people don't want to be leaders. Some people yeah. prefer not to be. He is not one of those people and it's because of that that somebody at 35 years old is in a position like this. What did what did Rob Mullen say over and over again? gosh, one week ago when Mario Cristobal officially took the job and he was talking to media, they needed to find a leader. They needed to find somebody mm-hmm. who would look out for the student-athletes. That was at the forefront. Obviously, success on the football field is is paramount. You know, Recruiting is paramount. Getting the right people here is paramount. But ultimately, it comes down to what he talked about, which is he's a servant for these student-athletes. It's him as a leader. And I think you get a sense of that. You don't have to be – 50 years old and have 20 years of coaching experience to be a leader. You can be a leader with less than that. And I get the sense and again it's unfortunate cuz we only spoke to one football player today and that player was Alex Forsyth who told us he was at a DMV appointment <laughs> missed the speech. We couldn't get a, a reflection from anybody who watched it, but I would assume his ability to lead is something that's pretty palpable the first time you interact with him and I assume the the, the football players that were there came away feeling like we did which is okay. This guy gets it. This guy understands it. And this guy is going to do everything in his power to be successful here. And I wanted to just, maybe this is what I'll, I'll send to you, Jerry. But just to transition a little bit. He was asked by Tyson Alger, I think his second to last question about, is this, a, you know, how long are you going to be here? The last two guys weren't here very long. What's your plan for that? How do you answer that? And I thought he was really impressive the way he handled that by saying, you know, I don't, I think he made a joke of, I went to William Jewell College in Kansas. I'm not leaving that position. I'm not leaving this job for that job. And he said, Oregon has everything I have here that this will be. There's no reason it shouldn't be my long-term career job. I, I thought, you know, he needed to be asked that question because, again, no ties to Eugene. I'd imagine right. somebody didn't ask. I'd imagine this might have been his first time in the entire state of Oregon, aside from maybe some recruiting visits. I don't know. But this is somebody who who made it clear. And I think he needed to make it clear on his opening press conference that he's not – this isn't a stepping stone job for him. He sees this as one of the best jobs in the country, and he said
2: that. Yeah, I mean, he he began to answer that question with, like, something where it said, you know, I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm asking, like, you to earn my trust. And he said that to us, and it, and apparently he said that to the players yesterday. But, yeah, he he knows where he's at. He knows that he's been working his entire life to get to an opportunity where he can – um, be a head football coach at a major program. And I think Oregon recognized that as well. Um, I think these, this is an opportunity that he's not going to try and turn away, that he's going to uh, continue to do all he can and give his 100% and 110% uh, to make this program better and make himself better. Um, again, he I, he said something about, um, you know, like he'll be in Eugene as in, or he'll be at Oregon as long as Oregon wants him. And, you know, for him, that's uh, if he can continue to prove success and and you know, get Oregon to these next levels or continue to stay um, within these championship discussions, then Oregon's going to want him around for a long time. And again, this is always just a business. And that's always the great thing to say at an introductory press conference. But um, there is a there is a passion behind that from him where he understands the small upbringings that he's from. Um he mentioned William Jewell College that college currently or as of 2017 I looked this up yesterday has a total enrollment of under 700 people yet he played football there he was a high school football coach he drove 13 hours to Pittsburgh um, and and practically seemingly like pleaded for a, a graduate assistant job um, and he's worked his whole way he's worked his whole way up into this position and To me, this seems like somebody who is going to continue to to try and work his way up, even though he might already be there. Um, Just a constant someone who's trying to prove somebody else wrong or um, just work to make himself better every day.
1: I think what really stood out to me was he was asked by Tyson that question of, there's a lot of people that are worried that if you have the success that you talk about, you're going to go. And it wasn't, uh, his answer was not rooted in, Hey, trust in me, but it was more, I have an opportunity to have to show you the trust in, you know, that I need to earn your trust that I'm not going to leave. And I thought that was pretty interesting that he kind of flipped it back of, I need to prove to everybody that I'm not going to leave if some school comes calling, whereas everyone hit trusting him that he's not going to leave. And that was a really good answer um, for that question. Um, and and it's, it's a valid one, and, I, and I, I'm appreciative that he answered that um, question as well. I, I just think overall, guys, um, this was – it's easy, like we said at the beginning. It's easy to win the press conference, but you walk out of this and you see a guy that just seems successful, sounds successful, says the things that successful people do and say – and you walk out of this feeling confident that I don't know if this guy is going to come out and if he's going to win 11 games next season and Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 championship, but I feel very confident that it's going to be an operation that it's it's exciting. It, they're going to they're going to compete. They're going to work hard. They're going to do all the right things, and it's going to be exciting to see how this plays out. And this is someone that I, I think we're seeing kind of a new age right now in football where young coaches are coming up through the ranks that Oregon has one of those guys. Will it play out in a successful manner? We don't know yet, but there's a lot of signs, a lot of people that have, that he's worked for that believe in him, that to, that he will be a successful football coach. And so I, I can't think of any other feeling of being excited about the potential of this program where it's at right now with, with Dan Lanning.
0: Yeah, I think it's hard to come away with that. I mean, I I was sitting here thinking of like, what did he say that maybe concerns me? And I don't, I don't know if there's really much of anything, you know, I know you have concerns that you come into a press conference with, you have questions you want answered. I thought he answered everything pretty sufficiently uh, that he was capable of answering. I mean, I I didn't think he, you know, skirted questions. We had an opportunity to introduce ourselves shortly after and quick exchange but that was positive too and it felt genuine and i I, again i think one of the things and i highlighted it in a story i wrote on duck territory on sunday morning a kind of a deep dive into dan lanning five reasons i think it's going to be a good hire and one of the things i pointed to is just that he's known to be a a highly relational player coach and and a player's coach and i think even in small instances and interactions you can sense that you know i mean i don't want to be critical too critical of the guy who was here before but i don't think of too many times that Mario Cristobal took a moment to stop and say hi to us. You know, I mean, it was pretty much business <laughs> as usual. And I know, I know obviously four years took place and maybe there were some hurt feelings for things that were written or said by, you know, he didn't have maybe the highest opinion of us by the end. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into circles here by bringing this up, but it felt kind of nice to be interacting with somebody who seemed like he was open to interacting with you. Whereas that was not always the way it was with the previous coach, at least the last couple weeks and months of the, of his time here, I'll say that.
2: Yeah, I just again, I just this is uh, to me this feels like the the program is in good hands. Um, again, answered everything that you would want to hear, um, which is always to somewhat be expected at an introductory press conference. But he he handled himself well, and uh, this should be somebody who excites Oregon fans going forward. Um, just his mentality and his overall. Uh, him, like him as a person, he just seems like a, 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 good, a genuinely good human. And uh, I think that's important to have in any football program to lead your team. And you know, he is that type of leader. Um, again, there's a lot of dominoes that still have to fall in order to see where this program is come spring football. Um, but I think it's on a good start. And I think, again, I think the program is in good hands.
1: What comes next? Uh, signing day is on Wednesday. Oregon will probably sign a couple guys. We'll get some comments from Dan Lanning. The fact that they're preparing to have a press conference tells us that at least one person <laughs> is is going to sign with Oregon. Uh, They'll they
0: they the press conference to let us know no one signed. And have, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't maybe, think so.
1: Uh, <laughs> I asked Rob Bowens, uh, Oregon's athletic director about signing day and just there is talk of maybe moving it to another time and, he had this really just like, you could tell in his face, like I'm probably the last person you want opinions on because I'm biased. <laughs> uh, and Cause understandably so. Um, but he said when things settle down and seeing how college football is shifting, um, he felt like there probably needs to be some kind of discussion for when this early signing period, if it all is, is happens. Uh, but if it does, when does it happen? Because, he noted that last, uh, the first week in December, they were preparing for the, the Pac-12 championship games. So they lost out on a recruiting weekend there. And then on Monday, Mario Cristobal left the football program. So then they were scrambling, trying to make the coaching hire um, and mm-hmm. couldn't have a recruiting weekend the last weekend before signing day. Um, and one other note that we should note is, um, it does sound like those tornadoes that happened back East Impacted maybe a little bit of the timeline of getting a coaching hire made because I guess Lanning's agent was based in the area that had some of those tornadoes sweep through, and they literally couldn't get in touch with them because of commu- you know the communication lines were were broke because of the tornado. So that plays a little bit of a factor into this process as well for how it played out. Um, I should also note, um, I'm just, these are all kind of streaming into my head as I speak this, but um, Mullins also talked about, you know, when was an offer made, who spoke? And he, he said that they, they spoke with multiple people. The searches were running and, you know, with the interviews were running parallel with multiple candidates, but they only offered one person the job officially. You know, contract terms were only sent to one person to review and then send back for adjustments or OKs or no, this is not this is not OK. And that was Dan Laning.
0: Yeah. And that runs somewhat counter to the report from John Canzano from Sunday that Justin Wilcox, the California coach, was offered the job and and turned it down. I don't, I don't know if we want to go too far. We I don't think we should address the letter thing until a letter podcast. I think we should do it at some point because there's so much going on, guys at some point we should talk about this Twitter space thing, like devote thirty yeah. minutes, to just how cool it is. Some of the things we learned, um, because I think there's a whole community of things we could get into that are, are pretty cool around things that took place over the weekend. But we would, this would be a two hour podcast and we all have things to get done from a content perspective now, but no, I, I think that, that those are interesting comments, Matt. And it, you, you do wonder how much of what we heard was real how much of what we've heard. Wasn't and, here's what i will say a lot of that we will never know for sure because people who are involved in it aren't going to talk on this publicly we might hear from behind the scenes i think we already have heard a decent amount of things that are kind of interesting but we're not going to hear oh this is what happened with kalani sataki's interview and this is what happened with chip kelly and justin wilcox and lane kiffin was he really we're not going to get clarity from people on the record on those kind of things ever Maybe when they retire, maybe someone does a tell-all, but like not in any time yeah. soon. So, you know, I think people are always really interested in the process and how they got here. What Rob Mullins is willing to share and what Dan Landing is willing to share, and, and maybe some of these coaches will say something about being, a, you know, a part of this, you know, coaching search. We're going to be kind of left with more questions and answers, and that's okay. That's how it goes. I think at the end of the day, you just feel good because Oregon got its guy.
2: I don't know. Maybe somebody hops on a Twitter space and <laughs> spills all the beans. Maybe right. Rob Mullins can come in and just jump it off. He's done that. done it. He's, done he has He's, been done it. He's crazy. Let's start asking him, Rob, what happened with Kalani? Let us know.
1: All right. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and the podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back later this week um, getting you ready for signing day, getting you ready for what's to come from a recruiting standpoint, and then getting you ready for the Alamo Bowl, which needs to be played, and um, ultimately down the road, the opening era of Dan Lanning and where the Oregon football program goes with its next head coach. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk
0: to you later, folks. Peace.